to uh, get this. I don't know if I'm going to sit on it or not, but I'm going to start on it. Um, yeah, it's uh, been a long week uh, here, here in the office for David and I both. We, we both, if I had that day, like Monday, I, I, uh, I went home early from work and I, I uh, laid down in my recliner and uh, I got up at 1.30 in the morning to go to bed. Um, because that's all that I did was sleep um, that whole day. Uh, weird, just weird, uh, just a weird, weird thing. Um, I mentioned earlier, I, I didn't hear much. I, I mentioned earlier that God has led uh, the, the leadership here um, and the, the, the folks that were willing to, to join with us and approving that uh, for us to hire another full-time staff position. Did anyone hear that earlier? Is anyone as excited about that as I am? Um, you've got to understand, I'm a youth minister at heart, right? Uh, that's what I did for like 22 years. And so um, I'm so excited uh, on that side of it, but also so excited for the associate pastor side and, and uh, small groups getting going again and, and those things. I'm so excited about what God is doing. Um, I wanted to mention one other thing. My mom um, brought to my attention because I didn't have my phone on me this morning. I'd sent out a, a, a message can't remember if it was email or Facebook um, from the church, quite honestly, a couple weeks ago uh, about my sister Katie. She's a, a missionary in Haiti. Uh, we support another mission in Haiti as well, and I have not heard what their plans are currently. Um, but over the last few weeks, the, the United States uh, State Department has kind of went around to folks in Haiti and said, um, you need to leave. Um, is, is kind of the word that they're telling everyone. Um, and so um, if you know folks in Haiti, you need to check on them and, and see what their plans are um, because they're, they're taking it pretty serious. And so um, uh, one of the difficulties is a lot of our missionaries down there in Haiti have um, adopted, may or may not be the right word, but adopted children. In Haiti, um, they've, they've taken in kids and, and begun caring for them. Well, these aren't United States citizens. Um, they don't have uh, the ability to just take them out of the country and 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 to the United States. And so, uh, there's a lot of hurdles um, because those people do not want to leave that country without their children, as you can imagine. So, anyway, um, if if you are a praying person and you want to add that to your prayer list, that would be a a great thing to be praying for. Uh, my sister and her husband and, and uh, their, their children are going through copious amounts of paperwork. I don't know how thick the stack is, but somewhere in the neighborhood probably of this, and it's got to get to the United States, and it's got to be signed, and it's got to get to Texas, um, to some government organization in Texas, and yeah. So um, anyway, if you know people uh, down in Haiti, uh, if you've got missionary friends or, or, or people that you know, be in prayer for them and, and check on them. Check on them, okay? Make sure they're doing okay. Um, things are never good in that country. I think we all know that, right? But uh, they're worse, uh, and they're, they're bad. It's really bad right now, for sure. All right, so be in, be in prayer for, for those people uh, doing the Lord's work there. For sure, they don't want to leave, um, but they're, they're kind of being forced to and, and put them in a really bad spot, all right? Is anyone else like me? Thanksgiving's Thursday. Where'd that come from? Um, seriously, it's Thursday. <laughs> Christmas is in a month from today. <laughs> I mean, it's like, what happened, you know? Like, where did the year go? Um, I don't even know. Uh, for so many people, uh, myself definitely included, this time of year is a huge, huge blessing. As family and, and friends, I know there's a family here today from all over the country. Um, it's just so amazing to see that and to get to share in that as we gather and we eat and eat 
and eats. Yeah, because that's what we're going to do a little more. Uh, I've shared this with you before. There was a time in my life where we would have three Thanksgiving meals all in one day. And I was much younger then. And I would eat all three of them um, because that's what you do. And it was delicious. And I didn't feel bad about it at all. Um, How about you, though? Do you have any great, great memories of the holidays? Just just ponder that for a moment. They might be from, from many, 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 many years ago. Is there something that just sticks out? Or it could have been something from last weekend. I don't know. What I want you to do is in your mind, just set aside a, a deeply cherished memory that you have. And just, just recall it, bring it to mind, and just kind of set it, set it there to think about for a little while. We're going to pray about that memory here in just a moment. Hold on to that because you want to offer it up to God in thanksgiving for, for everything that he has provided for you. Now, of course, we, we must talk about the other side of the thing because Right now, for many people, this time of year can be a huge struggle. I want you to take a look around, and not just this room. It's going to be more of a virtual tour. But take a look around your neighborhood. Take a look around your office building. Do you know, do you know the people around you? Do you know their story? Do you know if they're in need? Do you know if they're suffering from loneliness or depression or anxiety? Have you thought even once ever about opening your home to those individuals for a Thanksgiving meal? Maybe you weren't even planning on fixing a meal this year for yourself. Maybe you are on your own. Maybe your family isn't able to come over this year. So have you ever considered inviting someone who doesn't have a family in the area or doesn't have the means to prepare such a meal or someone who's lost their job or who has dealt with some type of loss recently or a neighbor or a coworker who's just alone? You see, this is an incredible chance to be Jesus and show somebody his love completely out of the blue. Because that person you're thinking of right now would never guess that you would ask them to do something like that. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a moment and and we're going to pray about this opportunity, okay? So let's do that. Father God, I want to begin by just offering a prayer of thanksgiving. Um, We have so incredibly much to be thankful for in our country, in our lives. Father, even in our world is broken as it is, uh, Father, we have you to be thankful for. We have your gifts that you've given us. You, we have your son who died for us, for starters. That's not a bad place to start. Father, we have all of the material things we could ever need or want in this life. Father, you've blessed us in so many ways. Father, you've given us memories, you've given us cherished relationships and events from the past that that we can still to this day hold on to. Father, the gift of memory is another incredible gift to be thankful for, that we can hold tightly to those things from the past and, and recall them whenever we want. What an incredible gift that is. Father, we want to pray a prayer for of healing. 
There are people all around us right now that are suffering, that are struggling in so many ways, and some of those ways will not be visible to anyone from the outside. We've got to go in. We've got to dig a little deeper. We've got to have a conversation. We've got to get to know somebody to find out if they're okay. Father, give us the strength to do that. Father, maybe it's a prayer of challenge for us today, a challenge to reach out with love. As I described a moment ago, there are people in this room that immediately had someone pop into their brains, a neighbor, a coworker, a friend, someone that's on their own. Some face just popped into their mind that they could easily invite over for Thanksgiving. Give them the boldness to ask. Just be Jesus to that one this week. It's in his name we pray. Amen. So as if it's not enough that Thanksgiving is Thursday, this year's almost over, right? 2021 is in the books. 2020 lasted forever. Um, it never ended. Um, and 2021 never happened. Right, and so it's just kind of, that's just the way that it, it works. Um, as a church, I, I mentioned a while ago, as we enter into this new year, we are praying um, very specifically that God will help us finish this year. We've got six Sundays left um, this year, very, very strong financially. We, we told you one goal that we have is a, a new sound system for in here, new speakers for in here, um, and we would love to do that at the end of the year, and so we're just praying that God provides those, those things um, to allow those things to happen and then sets us off perfectly to start this new year uh, with this new hire. It's so exciting as we prepare for where God is calling us as the body of Christ. Today, we're going to turn the page and we're going to begin. I hope you saw the banner when you came in um, because David has so much fun making those for me and I love them as well. Uh, we're starting a new phase, a new chapter, if you will, in Luke today. We're moving. Um, this is week eight already. We've already studied for eight weeks in the book of Luke. When I first told you that we'd be in Luke for the better part of a year, if people were like, oh, wow, that's a really long time, um, we're already two months in. Uh, it, it goes by very, very, very quickly. Here in a few weeks, we're going to take a three-week break for Christmas, all right? The wonderful words of Christmas. Several of you have contributed to that. Thank you, thank you, and thank you for your words that you have contributed. I'm looking forward to beginning writing that. Uh, hopefully, uh, by the end of this week, I'm actually going to start writing that, that series. Um, it, these stories, your words, it, it means so much for me to see. It gives me an insight into your life and, and who you are, um, and I, I love to be able to do that. We're going to start today with a, a question, a question that we actually mentioned at the, the meeting last Sunday night, but a question that I've mentioned to the staff before and a, a question that I've mentioned to the other elders before as well. The question is simply this, is it time? Is it time? Now, when I ask that question, it always seems to be followed by two words. People respond with, for what? It's true. In our lives, um, this question could send us in a lot of different directions. Is it time to, to go back to school, maybe? Is it time to, to start dating? Is it time to get married? Is it time to take that job, pursue a new job? Is it time to start a family? Is it time to pay off debt? Is it time to get into debt? <laughs> never, never, right? Um, is, it, is it time to buy a house? Is it time to move? The list goes on and on for sure. But let me tell you that as one of the leaders 
of Berea Christian Church. Here at Berea, we want this question, is it time to always be on the front of our minds and the very top of our prayer list? Simply asking God, God, is it time? He knows the plans he has for us. He knows the desires of our heart. And his desire is for us as a church to always be ready for his plan, whatever his plan might be for us. To be ready to follow his lead wherever he takes us. I share this challenge with you guys a lot. You'll never become who God wants you to be by remaining who you are. Well, that exact same thing could be said of the church. We'll never become the church God wants us to be by remaining the same church we are today. We must always be moving forward. We must always be pursuing him, growing deeper, challenging ourselves while reaching out further and deeper into the lives and into the community around us. There's some truths that we have to realize as believers. God has a plan. Hopefully you know that, right? You and I as believers, we are part of that plan. And as a part of that plan, we cannot, it's not possible, it, we cannot out love God. We cannot out give God. We cannot outreach God and we cannot out forgive God. And we also can't get ahead of God. Now, if any of you have ever been a part of a church team or church committee or church leadership group, then you've heard somebody on that team or in that group say something like this, slow down there, we don't want to get ahead of God on that. I just want to ask a question, have you ever thought about the absurdity of that statement? Now, that person will always just say, well, I'm just playing devil's advocate. I said, well, you should quit. That's the wrong team. <laughs> I don't care if it's an expression. God, who exists outside of time, as well as within our time, who is already with us in the future, God who is all-knowing, thus knows what we will do before we do it, as well as the results, God who is all-present and is walking with us as we make each and every decision, is it possible to get ahead of God or to move too fast for God? The answer is completely, absolutely, 100%, no. Now, can we make a bad decision? Yes, of course we can make a bad decision and God may or may not intervene in our bad decisions, okay? But if it's his plan, if it's his plan, no matter what, then we, we, we follow through with it. If it's his plan, he alone will be the one that makes it happen. He alone will allow it to be successful. Furthermore, if we are pursuing God with all that we are and we have a desire to be who he has called us to be, and to love the way he has called us to love, and to serve the way that he has called us to serve, then our plans, as long as they're in pursuit of him, and as the result of love, then our plans will succeed. Because really, they aren't our plans, are they? They're his. <laughs> his plans enacted through us. But if our plans as a church or as an individual are merely for our own benefit, they're destined to fail. This is the time to dream dreams and see how God brings them to life. This is a time to give thanks for all that he has done and is doing in our lives 
And as a believer, we should give thanks each and every day, but in this season of thanksgiving, it just seems to bring it all out front and center, doesn't it? So today we're gonna be in Luke chapter five. If you haven't turned there yet, you can go right ahead and do that. And I'm gonna begin by, by uh, I, want, I want you to answer this question in your mind. It is an appropriate question for the believer or the non-believer, the pre-believer this morning. Are you thankful for the calling that God has given you? Have you ever thanked God for the call that he's placed upon your life? That could go a lot of different directions. If you've not chosen to follow Jesus yet, then his call is really, really, really simple. He says, come and follow me. Believe upon me and be saved. That is an incredible call. One that we pray you will answer maybe today. <laughs> that would be a great time to do it. For the believer, it could go much deeper. We'll return to that here in just a few minutes. Is it time? Is it time Luke's gospel is special for a lot of reasons? One of those reasons is how Luke shares with us who Jesus came for. Jesus reveals it in a lot of different ways. He says it this way in, in Luke 5, 31. Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now you've probably heard that verse before. And most people probably took it out of context. You think, oh, well, yeah, that's right. He didn't really come for the righteous people. He, he just came for the sinners. Um, just real quick word of advice. Uh, the righteous people, there are none, not one. No one is righteous, not one. In other words, Jesus came for everyone. You see, he said that to make the, the, the self-righteous people think, oh, yeah, well, he didn't come for me. <laughs> no, he came for everyone. Absolutely he did. Luke 19, 10, Jesus' simple mission statement, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. What a beautiful sentence, so simple, so simple. Luke uniquely lays out the social implications of Jesus' coming. He came to bring freedom, to bring release. The Greek word that they use there is actually referring back to the ancient Jewish practice of the year of Jubilee, found in Leviticus chapter 25, when all slaves were released and all debts were canceled. Because you see, that's what Jesus came to do, to free the slaves to sin and cancel our sin debt for good. He came to release the poor, not just those with little money, but people of low social status during his era and today. Women in his era, those with disabilities, children, the elderly, social outsiders, other ethnic groups, people whose lives <clears throat> had left them outside of socially acceptable religious circles. God's kingdom was especially good news for all of those groups of people. And so today as we dive into this new phase, the miracles of Jesus, look at who he takes the good news to. Look at who he heals. Look at who he invites into this new community. Because he, he, those people are the exact same people we should be inviting in as well today. Jesus brought restoration and reversal to people's entire life circumstances. He's expanding the circle of people who are in, invited in to discover these people had been excluded from the kingdom of God prior to the coming of Christ. 
Since this week is Thanksgiving, what we're actually gonna do is skip the first few miracles uh, Jesus performs. We're gonna go back to them over the next two weeks. Next week, we'll backtrack just a little bit and be in chapter four, and then the week after that, just a little bit further because there's a lot to cover. But today, we're turning to Luke 5 because this fits so well for this particular week. It's a famous scene that many of you might actually already know. I believe that it doesn't matter if this is the first time you've ever heard this or it's your hundredth time. Today as we read and study, go ahead and imagine being a character on the scene. Imagine taking on the role of somebody that was there that day. You're a firsthand eyewitness. Maybe you're Peter, possibly. Maybe you're his younger brother, Andrew. Maybe you're James or John. Maybe you're just one of the innocent bystanders in the crowd who's come to hear Jesus speak and to see what cool miracle he might perform today. Whoever you choose to be, try to listen with those ears today. But also remember to take into consideration that Luke's the only one that records this story. He's the only gospel author that records this instant and the incredible words of Jesus that follow. How does this event help us to be more certain of our belief in Jesus? That's what we're asking ourselves every week. There's something great that you and I share with Simon Peter here in this story, and I'm just gonna leave it out there to see if you can identify that thing. Keep in mind, this is not the first time that Peter met Jesus. As a little kid, hearing the stories, singing the songs, we think maybe this is like, oh, he meets Jesus, he leaves everything and goes and follows him that first day. It kind of comes across that way, but that's not really the way it happened. You'll find that out over the next couple weeks. As I said earlier, Jesus has already begun performing miracles in the region. Word is spreading fast. Simon's brother, Andrew, had actually heard Jesus personally. John records this incident in chapter 1, verse 40. He came home to Simon Peter and told him that Andrew believed he had found the Messiah. That's a big, big compliment. Andrew was Simon Peter's little brother, and he wanted to share this sensational news with his big bro. But it doesn't look like much changed for Peter until this event took place. Chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. Don't get confused by all the weird names. It's the Sea of Galilee, same place. They just call it lots of different things. Welcome to the part of the world that's been there forever. It's just how, how it works. Jesus had begun getting this huge, huge following. There were likely thousands of people there on this day listening to Jesus. I mentioned this a few weeks ago, but I wonder if any of those people that were there were also there when Jesus was baptized by John. Are they still following? Are they still listening to Jesus. Why these huge crowds? Well, miracles. Miracles attract people. They're crazy things. Even today, if someone claims to be a faith healer, they can attract thousands and thousands and thousands of people today. You see, if you're desperate to get well or to have something restored and you've tried everything else, then you might even hope in empty promises. But Jesus's words were something different. You see, they weren't empty at all, in fact, they were backed by specific actions. As he heals, more and more people are drawn to him. And in this moment, Jesus finds himself on the banks of the Sea of Galilee, and the crowd is pressing in on him, so he's getting a little too close to the water. He's got this great natural amphitheater, 
The people are on the shore, but he needs some more help. Verse two, he saw that the water's edge, there were two boats left by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into the one of the boats and the one belonging to Simon and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And Jesus simply asked Simon to borrow his boat to use as a speaking platform out in the water. Everybody could see him, everybody could hear him much better from that point of view. Remember, Simon already knows a little about Jesus. His younger brother had told him that Jesus is the Messiah. Now, I don't know about you, who in here is an older sibling? Did you believe everything your younger siblings would tell you? Right, I didn't think so. Okay, so neither did I. I have five younger siblings. I believe very little. I'm guessing Simon had a few doubts, but Jesus didn't seem like that bad of a guy. His brother thought he was per, thought pretty highly of him, so they paddle out, set anchor just off the shore, and Jesus speaks. You know what's so cool about what Jesus said? We don't have a clue. Nothing. Luke didn't record a word of what Jesus spoke to the crowd that day. We have no idea what he possibly taught on. I find that fascinating. Because I'd really like to know what this sermon was about. It clearly had an impact on somebody here in just a minute, but it doesn't record it. We don't know what he said. We don't know how long it lasted. We don't know what the response from the crowd was. Here's what we do know. People had come to listen to the word of God. When we speak of the word of God in church today, of course, we, we're talking usually about the Bible. <laughs> but the Bible didn't exist then, exactly. So what did the people come to hear. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but you should. When Jesus spoke, he literally spoke the word of God. It was God speaking. Every word, every syllable was the audible word of God coming from God in the flesh. Jesus was speaking the long-awaited revelation of the divine kingdom of God and what you and I must do to enter. All of this from the very mouth of God himself. That would have been incredible to hear firsthand, don't you think? Man. And that's what the people heard that day, including Simon Peter. He was in the boat listening. And Jesus had kind of trapped him there. <laughs> yeah, he did. Verse four, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, you know, we've worked all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. Now, this is the most famous <clears throat> part of the story. Jesus, a carpenter, seems to have the ability to draw a crowd. He tells the professional fishermen how to do their job just a little bit better. And it's not just friendly advice. It's been a long night and, and they, they've just gotten everything kind of put away as a miserable failure. The men were tired, frustrated. But did their attitude change after Jesus' message? I, I don't know. Has the word of God ever changed you? Have, you? have you ever come in to church even on a Sunday morning frustrated, angry, irritated with something and the word of God gets a hold of you and it sets your entire day, week, month, even year in a new direction. Because <laughs> that can happen. 
That definitely could happen. Ultimately, Peter says, well, Jesus, um, because you said so, <laughs> we'll do it. It wasn't a real kind response, to be quite honest. I wish I could have saw the fishermen's faces as they looked at Jesus. Were they just shaking their heads with kind of a smirk, like, all right, fine. Why is he making us do this? Well, I just want to get done so we can come back maybe tonight and do some more fishing. And oh, by the way, we're going to have to fold them all up and clean all of the nets once again. Verse 6, when they had done so, though, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and to help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Oops. They're just a little wrong. Not only were they wrong, but they can't even handle it on their own. Think of this. They went from total failure and reluctant advice takers to now being overburdened with a tremendous success, the likes of which they'd never seen in their entire lives. They have to call in reinforcements to help because their boat's sinking and they can't possibly bring on all of the fish on their own. This is a, what you would call a drastic turn of events for the fishermen that day. Simon, who at best was just not a believer yet, and at worst did not believe there is any way that this Jesus could be the Messiah, was now, it says, brought to his knees. Verse 8. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Peter falls before Jesus as a result of the words that Jesus had spoken and the sign that Jesus had performed. Jesus stepped into Simon Peter's world and he made himself very real to Peter. This miracle impacted Peter's life directly. His livelihood, his beliefs in what could and could not happen. So he immediately realizes that I'm not even worthy to be in this man's presence and he confesses that he's a sinner. It's kind of an odd reaction if you think about it. The change in Peter is so evident through his words. Earlier, the Greek word that he'd used basically meant guy in charge when he said master. He looked at Jesus and said, yeah, I know, I know, you're the guest speaker, you're the one everyone came to hear. We'll do what you say, master. After the miracle, he confesses Jesus as Lord. Now he sees Jesus as the owner, the possessor, the one in control of everything. It's a title of respect and reverence. Jesus is even in control of the fish of the sea. Being a sinful man and realizing you're in the presence of the Messiah would have certainly led Peter to a state of fear. So Jesus senses that fear and immediately tells him, Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for men. So they pulled up their boats onto shore, left everything, and followed him. Don't be afraid, Peter. I know everything about you. Your sins, yeah, they're forgiven. You can stand before me in peace. And oh, by the way, I got a new job for you. I know you're a fisherman, so you can understand what this means. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for men. That reality of fishing, of course, you know, for the fish, it leads to death, right? 
Up to this point in his life, Peter had spent his life luring fish in to kill them so that we could eat them or sell them for his well-being. But now Jesus has placed something new in his life, a new challenge before him, a lifelong fisherman. From that moment on, he will be a fisher of men. Now he will be challenged with leading men and women toward life, a new life found only through Jesus Christ, an eternal life made only possible by the sacrifice Jesus goes on to make later in Luke's gospel for each and every one of us on the cross. Luke records that Peter and Andrew and James and John were all convinced that day. They packed everything up and answered the call to follow Jesus that day. And if you're familiar with the rest of the New Testament, then you know how God used these four men in particular to start the early church and write much of what we know to be the teachings of Jesus. If you don't know the rest of the story, stick around because we will absolutely be sharing it with you. For Peter, it was time. He didn't know it. There's no indication that Peter on, or the other guys that day showed up at work and thought, you know, I think today's the day where I'm just going to leave everything behind and follow some guy I just met um, to, to, that, that, that claims he's the Messiah. Um, but God's timing is perfect. Not God's timing was perfect. No, God's timing is still perfect. Right now in your life, God's timing is perfect. Is it time in your life? Answer that however, whatever direction your mind takes you. Is it time? Is it time to make amends, to forgive, to ask for forgiveness? Is it time to show someone the love of Jesus in a very real, very tangible, very practical, personal way this week? Is it time? God's given you amazing things. He's gonna give you amazing opportunities this week to share who it is what it is that you're so incredibly thankful for during this season. How about you in your spiritual life? Have you ever asked God, is it time? Is it time for me, God, to act on that opportunity that you've given me? Is it time to answer the call to serve you, God, maybe in a brand new way? Is it time to stop making excuses? <laughs> or filling our lives with the things of the world that pull us away from where God wants us and what he wants us to do? Or if you're not a believer yet, then is it time to answer the call and believe in Jesus today? How does this event help to make us certain of our belief in Jesus? In this event, we see a man whose entire life was changed literally in an instant. Jesus is waiting to change your life in an instant today. He still works the same way. And as we respond today, we're gonna begin by doing that with communion. Hopefully you, you grabbed your cups on the way in, if you didn't, don't feel bad. I forget all the time too. Um, <laughs> you'll often see me sneak out to go get some. But we're gonna take a minute in this season of thanksgiving to give thanks for this incredible gift that he's given us. As we remember the body that was broken 
for us. And Father God, as we remember your blood that was shed, we were so undeserving. blessing it is to be part of your family here today in this season of thanksgiving father will we rise up to the challenge is it time in our own lives father give people the answers that they're searching for lead them in the direction you would have them go and thank you for this amazingly indescribable gift the gift of your son.